0: it comfortably. So this is the last of my Dharma talks based on the Tao of Pooh and the Day of Piglet. And if I haven't made it clear already, feel um, a lot of gratitude towards um, Benjamin Hoff, not only for writing the book, but for just providing um, a vehicle as a way of us understanding Taoism and how it's applicable to our practice. In the characters of Winnie the Pooh, Winnie the Pooh as a bear is the character who's, he's very sort of simple-minded but he's also very relaxed and, um, and sort of confident in his simple kind of way. And so he he's the one who's just naturally kind of present and and accidentally almost finds the solutions to things because he's present. But Piglet is a different character altogether, and um, I'll introduce you to the the character of Piglet. But what I'm going to do is follow on from our talk yesterday about power, because this this second book, the sequel, is called The Day of Piglet, T-E, or pronounced day. Uh, It means virtue. So if I can have a little bit of poetic license, I've um, translated it as the virtuous power of Piglet. So let me introduce you to Piglet with a little story which comes in here. Piglet is referred to as a very small animal or refers to him or herself as a very small animal let gives you an idea of piglet. The piglet lived in a very grand house in the middle of a beech tree, and the beech tree was in the middle of the forest, and the piglet lived in the middle of the house. Next to his house was a piece of broken board which had Trespassers' W on it. When Christopher Robin asked the piglet what it meant, he said it was his grandfather's name and had been in the family for a long time. Christopher Robin said, you couldn't be called Trespassers' W. And Piglet said, yes, you could, because his grandfather was, and it was short for Trespassers' Will, which was short for Trespassers' William. And his grandfather had two names in case he lost one, Trespassers after an uncle, and William after trespassers. So, as we'll go through this um, in more detail, um, Piglet, as a very small animal um, who's very self conscious of his smallness and his vulnerability, sees his solution to be something grander. Mm-hmm. So, therefore, the grandfather with the trespasses' name. Mm-hmm. So, Piglet, as an animal, is very small and he's got a squeaky little voice and he's got pink cheeks and his ears tremor because he's so kind of nervous and he's very, very sensitive. Mm -hmm. And um, and it's surprising uh, when you talk to, uh, I I don't come into children so much directly, but when you talk to adults um, who have read Winnie the Pooh as a child you find so many people who actually, who did you identify with, Piglet? Mm-hmm. And remember, this is a children's story, and out of all the animals there, children are little, small people. So they're naturally gonna to gravitate to identifying with Piglet, and the people do. So it's squeaky voice, little pink cheeks, quivering ears, very sensitive. And the suffering of Piglet is that he's always agonizing. He's always worried, always agonising, whereas Pooh is just sort of pretty cruel and goes along with the flow of things all the time. So they're the characters. And in Taoism, um, in China, as it grew up, Taoists um, were very fond of very, very small animals. And there was lots of stories about small animals, mice, you know, birds and so on. And metaphorically, well, not metaphorically, but actually literally too. Taoism um, had uh, was very fond and <coughs> support of um, women, children, the poor, outsiders, mm-hmm. all the small creatures in a sense, and um, they wrote a lot of stories about that. They wrote a lot of stories about. Um, little small animals like mice and so on who are very wise and very honest and in the stories they sort of outwit the, the big landowners and so on. So a lot of this has got a political, cultural background to it. The Taoists were kind of, and the Buddhists too, were the kind of the outsiders of power in the, in the political sense of it. And the Chinese governments were in fear often of um, Taoist Secret societies and Buddhist secret societies, because they they feared that their their um, their big ego status was going to be challenged in some kind of way. But that's the background of it. Um, and in the uh, story of Winnie the Pooh, or you know the books on it, when you look at all the different characters. Piglet really is the only character in there through the story that grows in some way. All the others just sort of stay the same, but Piglet grows through the story. And um, the Piglet has his own delusion. He he agonizes. So even though piglet is a very sensitive small animal who's very modest is that that still that kind of behavior in that way of looking at the world comes through delusion it comes through a certain way of looking at the world so <clears throat> when when we're like a piglet if we embrace our inner piglet when we're like a piglet Instead of just seeing things as they are, we we look at the world in terms of things as how they might be, and what I've got to do next. Mm-hmm. So there's this anticipation always that there's something frightening out there, you know, and um, and what am I going to do? You know, what am I going to do next? So there's that delusion of living in the future, anticipating something negative going to happen. So let me introduce you to another little story about that, if I can get my hands on it quickly. Yeah. This is where Piglet and Pooh fall into a gravel pit. Um, Pooh, this is Piglet talking, Pooh, he went on nervously and came a little closer. Do you think we're in a trap? Pooh hadn't thought about it at all, but now he nodded. For suddenly he remembered how he and Piglet had once made a poo trap for heffalumps. Heffalumps can be whatever you like them to be. And he guessed what had happened. He and Piglet had fallen into a heffalump trap for poos. That was what it was. What happens if the heffalump comes, asked Piglet trembling when he heard the news. Perhaps he won't notice you, piglet," said Pooh, encouragingly, because you're a very small animal. But he'll notice you, Pooh. He'll notice me, and I shall notice him, said Pooh, thinking out aloud. This is Pooh in his very matter-of-fact cool way. See, very Zen-like. We'll notice each other for a long time. Mm-hmm. He'll see me, I am him. We'll notice each other for a long time. And then he'll say, ho, ho. Piglet shivered a little at the thought that the ho-ho and his ears began to twitch. Well, what what will you say, he asked. Pooh tried to to think of something he would say, but the more he thought, the more he felt, there is really no answer to (laughs) ho-ho said by a heffalump in that sort of voice, in the way this heffalump was going to say it. Pooh said, well, I shan't say anything, said Pooh at last i shall just hum to myself, as if I was waiting for something. Then perhaps he'll say ho-ho again, suggested Piglet anxiously. He will, said Pooh. Piglet's ears twitched so quickly that he had to lean them against the side of the track to keep them quiet. He'll say it again, said Pooh, and I shall go on humming. And that will upset him, because when you say ho-ho twice, in a gloating kind of way... And the other person only hums. You suddenly find, just as you begin to say it the third time, that well, well, you find it just isn't ho hoish anymore. Third, <laughs> mm-hmm. so, but he'll say something else. Said people, and on on it goes. So there's there's a, there's a distinction between between these two um, endearing animals. <clears throat> That's the challenge of piglet, is always anticipating what will go wrong, what will go wrong, what will go wrong. So if we identify with piglet, and I think many of us often do, um, then that is our practice, to actually keep coming back to what is really happening right now. What is really happening right now? And to make that distinction between what is really happening right now and what I think is going to happen right now. And as we work with it over and over again, um, then we just naturally become more present rather than being driven into the future of what is. Piglet is a very sensitive animal and I want to talk about sensitivity. You, often the word sensitive when it's used as a description of someone is usually used in a negative way, oh she's so sensitive, you know, he's so sensitive is the kind of expression in which it's used. And um, what what people often don't recognise is that there is such a thing as positive sensitivity as well as negative sensitivity. So I often say this to people in counselling who have those characteristics, people who've been Um, bullied and so on and um, who have been told that they're sensitive and they just see it in a negative kind of way but I keep on reminding them that if you're a sensitive person, yes you may be the kind of person who is vulnerable to bullying, you know um, harsh words etc but you are also because you're sensitive you're able to appreciate the beauty in things you, know, you you can understand the beauty of music or poetry or do you know the flowers by the side of the road if you're not thick skinned it's got a positive and negative side to it if if you're thin skinned all the negative stuff can come in but also the positive stuff can come in as well mm-hmm. so it's got a good side to it and and the um the solution to it is not To deny our sensitivity. Maybe it's to transform it in a way, but it's really to embrace it. Um, There are are book titles that come out which um, uh, embrace these same principles. There's one that I've mentioned on a Tuesday night um, some time ago um, called Quiet. The power, again, the word power the power of introverts in a world that can't stop talking. Mm-hmm. And there was a, a landmark book came out years and years ago in about the 1980s, um, Small is Beautiful, mm-hmm. which was written by um, an economist. So you, you see the same principle coming through in various different ways. Um, there's many examples I can give, but I remember uh, a woman who saw me for counselling some years ago, again another psychologist, not a psychologist came for counselling, and um, she'd been in a a relationship with a man for quite a number of years, and he decided to end the relationship, he dumped her, and the reason why he did is he said, well you're too shy. He was quite a sort of a a confident, extroverted kind of guy, so you're just too shy. So she came in to see me for counselling because she was very hurt by this experience, and um, and as people often do when they come to counselling, they come in with an agenda for change, and if you're not careful, you get drawn into their agenda for change when it's actually not the right way to go. So she came in with the intention of wanting to become. A more robust, outgoing, extroverted, unshy kind of person, so that he would like her and take her back, or the next man would. And so the first session I kind of went along with that. Um, and then I thought about it and I thought, no, that doesn't that doesn't sound right. So the next time I saw her in the course of the counselling, I said to her, Why don't you just accept that you're shy, that you're a shy person? And in the course of the counselling. And that um, and it seemed, it seemed to really go in somehow. Anyway, um, she made another time and then she called me back in the meantime and she said, actually, really, that was a really great session last time. I don't feel like I need to come in anymore right, because I've just accepted I'm a shy person. Right? End, of, end of problem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so just embracing that vulnerability again can empower us, but if our solution is to become bigger and better, um, maybe that's maybe that's not really the solution. Maybe it's not really what is possible. Also, had the the experience when I was younger. Um, I was absolutely terrified of public speaking. I really mean I was terrified, and um, but. I started work as working as a psychologist and, um, and I was required to give public talks. And while I was really scared, I was really determined at the same time that I wanted to overcome this fear. But what I kept doing all the time is that I'd get up and my, my voice would be shaking and my hands would be shaking. And, and I'd try and disguise it, like I try to keep my hands still. Try and speak in a firm voice, yeah. and, and the anxiety would just keep on going and going, it wouldn't get any better. And then there was one point where I decided, and it was quite a large, larger group of people um, that I had to get, to get up and speak to. And beforehand I decided, well, if my voice is shaky and my hands are shaky, I'm just gonna get up and let it show. In other words, I'm just going to be nervous and just roll the dice that way because the other way just doesn't seem to be working. And so I got up and then, and then it all seemed to disappear fairly quickly. You know, the, the shakiness in the voice and the quivering. In it. And that was a turning point you know, in being able to speak um, publicly is I just embraced the mm. nervousness which was there rather than trying to hide it, just letting it show. It's another example of when, you, as soon as you embrace that vulnerability, like really wholeheartedly, there is an empowerment that comes from it. And you can't do it as a trick. You can't. You couldn't then sort of teach it to people as a technique. Okay, you just do this. You've really got to. You've really got to embrace it fully you know, um, for it to work. Um, but it often does. So, Piglet's suffering is that he thinks he's small and he needs to be larger, you know, so that everything will be all right. He has difficulty just staying in the here of now of things and reading the feedback from now rather than listening to the voice in his head about all these terrible things that are going to happen. And his power is to come back into just being piglet, that little sensitive creature. Mm -hmm. It's interesting in um, uh, Chinese language, as Benjamin Hoff points out, that the word su, T-S-E, which means master, also means child. Mm -hmm. And it reminds me of that line from one of William Wordsworth's poems, that the child is father to the man. Mm-hmm. So Taoism and Zen as it embraces Taoism is always bringing us back to this childlike quality. Mm-hmm. It's not valued in our culture a lot. It is when we see it in children, we like children's um, playfulness and so on, um, but we don't respect that kind of innocence and so on in an adult. Um, And it's important that we we validate that in ourselves rather than being denied, ignored, criticised, whatever. One of the principles of Taoism is transforming the negative into positive. And one of its other principles is um, positive attracts positive. And so, as many of you know who've worked with young children more than I have, um, if you if you give the message to children that they're stupid or ugly or they're clumsy or whatever, that's how they will turn out to be. But if you encourage children, you know. Um, with words of, do you know, kind words, do you know that they, they can do things and they're smart and they're capable and so on. I mean, all the research shows that those children blossom under those circumstances. And so this is one of the principles of Taoism as well, is that, that positive can draw out the positive. And that's very different to some of the parenting that we see today where... Um, Children are given praise, but they're given praise in the sense of how special they are, like that they're bigger or better or smarter or more beautiful or whatever than anyone else. So they're being being sucked into the bigger is good principle right from the very beginning. And it it breeds a kind of narcissism that that grows into an adult. The big me, the successful me, the winner, is the one that counts. And um, it's very important to praise children, but we can, we can praise children without it having that narcissistic edge to it. Mm-hmm. We can always value the child for who they are and value, value the characteristics that they have as they are, not what we would like them to be. And as that's important for children, um, it's important for adults an important for Zen practitioners. So, that's the end of my talk for today and um, our Taoist uh, talks and we'll see what arises tomorrow.